This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're looking at working moms in episode number 192. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hey mama, I am so glad to have you here on the episode today. We are going to dig into being a working mama and what that means about your mothering. Plus, we'll talk about some practical strategies to help working mamas navigate their world. I'm Kristen Burgess. I work with pregnant and new moms who want to have a happy, great pregnancy, who want to have a sacred, beautiful, natural birth, and mamas who want to intentionally create peaceful homes, happy homes that are filled with healthy and reasonably happy children and families. I'm excited to be here today because this is a huge issue. Moms often, they need to or want to work. I think it's okay to want to work. I guess I'll give you that permission right now at the beginning of the episode. And they feel guilty about balancing that with their mothering. Now, the reality of working moms is different than popular beliefs, and there are actually even myths that we have about working and parenting. So I hope that by the end of this episode, you're going to understand a lot more about the realities of life as a working mom, and maybe a, because I think that the, the typical paradigm is so negative that I hope that this might challenge that paradigm and help you to look beyond it. And I hope that you'll understand much more about juggling your life and mothering and working and all of that and why it's it's worthwhile to do that for many moms. So first, again, you know, there there's this like popular mythos out there. You know, you've got all of these blog posts from all of these harried moms who are talking about how they just can't do it all and they just can't juggle baby and 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 working and mothering and while i'm not going to say that that's that's not the reality for some people you know if you're a junior associate in a high powered law firm and you're really expected to work a lot of hours a week maybe that's a reality for you but the reality that we find for most moms is different than this popular narrative. And looking past the popular narrative and seeing what is actually going on, I think is really empowering to moms, especially moms who are working. So the first thing that I wanna share with you that I think is encouraging, I found it encouraging, is that women, including working mothers, are more available to their children now than moms were in the past. Like moms today spend more time interacting with and playing with and being with their kids than say moms in the 1960s were or even moms in in the further past. So this ability to be present and there for your children is something that so many moms today enjoy on a level that moms in the past just didn't. So that's a huge myth I think that there is, is that moms are working more and they're more harried and they're less available to their kids. And that's just not what we find is reality. Another huge myth is part-time work, that like if a mom is going to work, she needs to work part-time. Part-time work isn't necessarily better. It may not give much more time with the family 
because it may end up filled with stuff that's not necessarily meaningful, like housework. And I know I attacked housework pretty hard on the podcast last week, and I'll touch on it again a bit this week. But if you work part-time and then all of the time that you're off you know, is filled by, say, doing housework or cleaning up after other people, that's not necessarily really a good use of your time and it's not buying you any more time with your family. And I I say that as somebody who greatly cares about the atmosphere and feeling in my home, about the food that nourishes us, though I'm not above having easy meals from time to time. But in general, even though the meals I make on weeknights tend to be quicker, I think them through intentionally and I want them to be made with love. And and you know, I want the atmosphere in my home to be intentional and peaceful. So I I say what I'm saying about if you're working part-time but those hours are filled, you know, with doing housework And is that really what you were going for? I say that as somebody who cares deeply about being a homemaker in my home. So I wanted to give you that caveat. But again, part-time work may not necessarily result in what you want, which is more time to be available for your family or even feeling less frazzled. And it may result in less career flexibility over time. And so that... Because that's such a central thing that women think is, oh, I need to work part-time to be able to manage, I just want to challenge that a little bit and, you know, offer some more insight into that. And another myth is that, uh, this is true for most people, like men and women, say that they're working, oh my goodness, I'm working, you know, 80-hour work weeks or whatever. But the reality is, is most people who say that are not. Very few are working more than 60 hours in a week, and most aren't working that much. So all of this is to say career and family don't mean that you have to be a frazzled or burned out mess. You can work in a demanding and rewarding career and still have a life. It's really about flexibility and balance. Um, I A lot of this information comes from the research that Laura Vanderkam has done, both research that she's analyzed and also research that she has has done herself. And she's found that, you know, even there even though there's a lot out there about, oh, I just have to give up on my dreams of having a career, there are women who are successfully balancing it from career women to I want to add in there because I'm an entrepreneur to entrepreneurs and women who are owning their own businesses and that sort of thing, as well as women who want to kind of work their way up the ladder in a traditional corporate structure and everywhere in between. So this quote, and I'll link to the article in the show notes that this came from, but I'm going to read a quote from an article that Laura Vanderkam wrote. And I just felt like this was so powerful that I wanted to read it verbatim. So she, so Laura writes, In the log she kept for me in March 2014, Vanessa Chan, a partner in a major consulting firm and a mother to two young girls, woke up Wednesday morning in one city, which was a different city from the one she woke up in Tuesday morning, which was not the city she lived in either. She arrived home late Wednesday after her girls were asleep. She gave the sleeping children a kiss before going back to work. If we wanted a tale inspiring work-life lamentation, we would focus on that scene. But when you see the whole of a week, you see different moments too. 
Chan missed Tuesday and Wednesday, but she put her girls to bed more nights that week than she didn't. She read them multiple chapters in Little House on the Prairie. I tallied it up, and she logged more time reading to her kids than the average stay-at-home mom of young kids reads to hers. She organized a game night for her family, went skiing, took her daughters to the Lego movie. She had a coffee date with her husband. She watched TV and did a session on the spin bike. She spent a reasonable amount of time designing a Pokemon cake for her daughter's birthday. In all her busyness, Chan had time to indulge her hobby of making and decorating Pinterest-worthy cakes. Not everyone would want Chan's life. Chan herself didn't want it forever. But even if not everyone would want Chan's life, I couldn't claim that no reasonable person would want this life either. Cake designing, skiing, and snuggly bedtime stories do not imply a work-life horror show. And the reason why I wanted to read that to you is because I think it is so poignant and so powerful that here's a mom that, yes, she missed a significant portion of her girl's week because she missed two days, but she was there for five out of seven and had time to decorate birthday cakes, do movie nights, go skiing, and read to her children. And again, Laura did the research, reading to her children more than the average stay-at-home mom reads to her. So basically, it's just saying that she has things worked out to be able to prioritize her kids. And now I'm not looking at the time log that Miss Chan kept for Laura, but my guess is is that the other days of the week also included work and probably a full day's work most of those days, yet she was still able to find that time. Another thing that I want to point out before we move on and jump into some different things is this definition of a stay-at-home mom, and I am a poster child for that because I would consider myself a homemaker and a stay-at-home mom. Yet, because I I stay at home, I don't go to a job. However, as we find out, the definition of a stay-at-home mom is really sketchy nowadays because many moms say they're a stay-at-home mom even if they do work part-time or even if, like me, they run a business out of their home or they do something like Ubering or door dashing, they would still say that they're a stay-at-home mom. Um, I'm a full-time student right now as well as a business owner and I, you know, but I still say that I'm a homeschooling mom, a home, a stay-at-home mom, and a homemaker, even though a significant portion of the hours of my week are devoted to studies, academics, and devoted to things like recording this podcast and refereeing in the Facebook group and creating new courses that help bless your life. So even though I've got all of that going on, I still say that I'm a stay-at-home mom. And that is true with many moms who are stay-at-home moms today. So that definition is kind of a moving target based upon the, the woman that we're talking to. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. But I want to just challenge you that so many moms, and I actually believe this was quite true in the past too, that even when we had homemakers and quote-unquote stay-at-home moms, maybe not in the halcyon days of the 1950s, but I suspect even then too, You know, we had women who were working while also devoting a large portion of their energy to mothering and to being at home and to making a home. So we're going to talk some about career flexibility and how that can really be a key for you to consider if you're a working mom. And I think 
I think of my grandma as an example of this. So my grandmother was one of those 1950s housewives. My my aunt was born in the late 1940s. She was definitely the start of the baby boomer babies. And my dad came along a bit later in the mid-1950s. So my grandma was one of those women back in that generation. And she always worked. I actually had to do a class assignment where we were looking at some family history and doing some research recently. So I got the chance to interview my aunt and talk about this, and it was a lot of fun. But one of the things that she said was that, you know, Mama, talking about my grandma, stayed home with me for the first two years, and then she decided she really wanted to work. Not that she necessarily needed to work, but she really wanted to work. And so she went back to work, and as far as I know, she worked even after my dad was born. Now, that was my aunt was quite a bit older at that point, so she wasn't juggling, juggling two little ones. But, you know, she had another baby, and she continued to work. And again, that was the 1940s and um, mid-1950s and so forth. And I think that my grandma experienced something that many women experience with flexibility and their careers because my grandma started as just a nurse. That's what she did, not just a nurse. You know that I'm not saying anything about nurses, but she was just a normal nurse, like a floor nurse. But what my grandma really enjoyed was working with the other nurses and also coordinating. And so she worked her way up to a head nursing position and then to like a supervisor position. And so as my grandma moved forward in her career, she gained a lot of flexibility because she moved up from just being on that, you know, basic lower level entry level, that would be, I guess, a PC way to say it, that entry level position to being uh, in like a management position, and then even into an administrative position that she really enjoyed. And my grandma had time to raise two really successful kids, um, to support my grandpa and his work, to be super active in their church. And she led various organizations in the community. She volunteered. She held, she, you know, she hostessed, hostessed, hosted, we'll just say hosted, hosted bridge parties. And she was really into decorative flower arranging, as well as being able to cook better than anybody I know. So she was a really well-rounded woman. And one of the things that I think, and the reason why I shared anecdotes to you about her to you, is that I think that she shows how, As we work and as we devote ourselves to work, sometimes that pays off not just monetarily, but also with flexibility. So one of the things that Laura Vanderkam says in her work is that it can make sense for a mom to work hard initially and and then have more flexibility later on. And especially if you're listening to this while you're trying to conceive or while you're just planning. I'm surprised every day at the number of women who are in that place and who start listening to me. They come and they they buy mama baby birthing. You know, they enroll in mama baby birthing and they're like, oh, I've been listening to you for five years, Kristen. And we decided to have a baby. And so I, I enrolled in your childbirth courses and it's always fun. But especially if you're at that point in your life or you're at that point where you've got a little bit older kids, and so they don't need you quite so much, it can make sense to invest in, in, uh, you know, working your way up and getting some promotions to earn a place where there's more flexibility. But I think that one of the gifts that we have today, and one of the gifts that came out of the pandemic and situations around that is a, a broader understanding of how flexible we can be. And even moms 
who are working in lower paying or lower skilled jobs tend to have more options now simply because things like the gig economy have exploded, things like Uber, like door dashing, those sorts of services really allow moms to set their own hours. And really women have been finding ways to do that for a long time. Think about women who work as professional organizers or who did, you know, Tupperware parties back in the day or creative memories or all of the other work from home opportunities. Mary Kay is another classic one. Avon, another classic one. So many of those women were working full time, but they did it in a career that offered a lot of flexibility. They could do a lot of their work early in the morning. They could do work in the evening when they may have had a husband to help with the children, or they could do work late at night. So I think that women have been, again, finding this flexibility for a really long time. Uh, Etsy, eBaying, selling, you know, like thrifting and then selling on places like Poshmark and that kind of thing. Some people have an eye for that sort of stuff and they're making a killing. Like you think about it, I know that I'm not wearing them right now, but my favorite pair of jeans is a pair of Ralph Lauren jeans that I got at Goodwill. And I wear them and love them, but I think about it, you know, I pay like three bucks for that pair of jeans and some woman who had an eye for brand name perfect condition clothing probably could have found those jeans and put them up on Poshmark for like 25 or 35 dollars which is still a fraction of the cost but a huge markup from what she got and granted those things all take work but I mean any any job for a successful woman is going to take work so it's just looking at the flavor of the work and how you do it and how you work it around your schedule. I just believe that today there's a lot of flexibility. Even if you want to work, say, a more traditional job. I was listening to somebody the other day, and I honestly can't remember who it was, but she was talking about, and maybe it was even a guy, but they were talking about how their mom, you know, I think their mom got pregnant in high school, was a teenager with a baby, and just didn't have a lot of job skills and that sort of thing, but she was committed to being there for her kids. And so she got a job in the cafeteria at the school. So she worked the same hours that her kids were in school. And then she went home with the kids. And, you know, you hear about, I think it's funny because when we get, we get a little newsletter from our local school system, even though the kids are homeschooled, I still get that newsletter because it goes to everybody in the district. And it just updates you on happenings. But there's been ads for bus drivers because I think everywhere is experiencing bus driver shortages. But the, the headline is work the same hours as your kids. And I just think, you know, that just it's another underscore of the level of flexibility that we have in many, many, many different careers now. So I want, and the reason for that discussion is to start thinking about and opening your mind to the awareness that you may have more flexibility than you thought that you did. Now, I want to put a caveat in here about what if you have a young baby? And I I will be honest, my preference is really to be with my baby, like to put my work on hold or to work from home if possible. If you're listening in other areas of the world other than the United States, you probably have a more generous maternity leave that allows you to be home with your baby for the first year or even longer, and then maybe for your partner to be home. So I think it's less of an issue in parts of the world where there's really robust parental leave because you're able to be there for that critical time. Uh, But I do believe for women who 
you know, who are in the United States where we don't have as robust of parental leave looking at and balancing and juggling, do I go back to work with a really young baby or not? I will grant that I think that that is tough. And I think that if you can work out flexibility with that, like many, many more places are open to bringing your baby to work. When Phoenix was a baby, I had a bring your baby to work option because at that time I was really active in my midwifery apprentice. I did at least one prenatal, like a full day of prenatals every week. Um, And then I was going to births and postpartum appointments and that sort of thing. And I was able to bring Phoenix for the prenatal days and that sort of thing. My preceptor was okay with that. And I was able to bring him to a few births too, though uh, I got to the point where with births I didn't want to have him there. But yeah, I I got to that, you know, I was able to find some flexibility there. And many, many companies, especially with really young babies in arms, are more flexible. And that can be something to explore as well as on-site daycares and that sort of thing. Uh, or the possibility of working from home. I know that job sharing is something that I don't know a lot about it personally. That's an option that was talked about in the past. But I feel like especially now, given the post-COVID world where remote work is just much more of a reality for so many more, that negotiating to be able to work from home so you can be with your baby more of the time, even if you're in the office for some time each week, if you could also work from home sometime, that might be good. I I don't necessarily know that I think that the ideal is months and months and months with no work at all, simply because I know that for me, and probably for many of you, the work that you do is fulfilling. Like, I'm looking forward to finishing my degree in my midwifery didactic studies, because that'll take a lot off my plate. But I honestly hope to fill some of those hours with working on the business, because this is what I really love, is teaching you. You know, it's not just that I want those hours off. I find fulfillment in this. So I want to be able to work, because as fulfilling as I find homemaking and homeschooling and mothering, I also find this really fulfilling. And so I think a lot of women are like that. You find your professional work fulfilling. And so you may want to be able to do some of it, even while you're juggling your, you know, juggling taking care of your baby. But I think especially take the max maternity leave that you can or take a generous amount, like especially the first 12 weeks if possible. And I, I would really say even up to 16 weeks. Babies at 16 weeks, babies neurologically, biologically start to mature a lot. Like 16 weeks is where their sleeping patterns change to look much more like adult sleeping patterns and that sort of thing. So that period, those first four months, really that that fourth trimester plus one month is a time that it, it can be, you know, I think there's so much change going on and so much going on with your baby and you that that can be beneficial to be able to work from home at the least or even take that time off. Again, I think that maybe by 16 weeks, I I didn't want to be maybe full time, but I, I wanted to have some some other work to putter at. So anyways, I don't want to get too thinking about me specifically, but I just wanted to acknowledge that if you've got babies or a baby, then you may really want to think about flexibility and negotiation and what kind of a job will let you have baby with you and be able to do that. Um, And then of course, there are the same arrangements that moms have always had, I think again, throughout time, 
where, you know, you're with baby in the early days, but then maybe you're able to do some work while grandma or, you know, a good friend, or even if you are able to afford a nanny or somebody is able to keep the kids. But even if you have to go into the office a couple days a week, you know, maybe grandma can help on those days. So think flexibility is really where I want you to be. Uh, And then I also want to acknowledge that if you've got young children, two and under, really things do tend to be hectic because your child just requires so much care and leisure time is definitely less. But what we find is that after you move through that harried time of, you know, those under twos, things do get easier. I can say, because at this point as I'm recording this, Phoenix is five, so my youngest is five. And even though I still have six kids still at home, and I definitely feel like many days can get harried, it's not quite as intense because, you know, I just, Phoenix doesn't require quite as much one-on-one care. He's able to be more self-sufficient. But there are even a lot of ways that, you know, you're too, like yesterday, I was working yesterday and I've been setting up a folding table in my room to work in the afternoons and I'll come back to that. But unless I'm getting interrupted a lot, I tend to have an open door policy and so I have a chair in my room as well, like a, a, a recliner. I work in an office chair when I bring the folding table and I roll in my office chair. But so Sadie and Phoenix were sitting in the chair looking through a binder of trading cards. And they were, you know, they probably were there for 30 or 45 minutes, but they were just kind of entertaining themselves and they didn't require input from me. So I didn't close the door or shoo them away or anything. So... I think what you find is that as your kids get older, they're able to occupy themselves more and you're even able to to work with them around. But again, it's that, you know, it's that flexibility and realizing what you need to do and that when you've got younger kids, they may not be able to do that quite so well. Though there are strategies, and I've talked about those before, like teaching your children to have an alone time, honoring the nap time. I'll link to the podcast episode about alone time. Um, And then I have go to sleep, which that's my class it's got three classes in it one about newborns one about babies and one about toddler sleep but you know keeping that that uh, nap time or quiet time if your child has stopped napping and working with alone times and that sort of thing can help if you're juggling little little kids but I do want to acknowledge that it can be harder when you're juggling little little kids so again revisiting part-time work Avoiding a part-time schedule may be best overall for future flexibility because it allows you to advance your career. And also, like, if you if you work, say, like an 80% schedule, Laura Vanderkam found that that was a terrible trade-off because women often ended up working just as much as they would if they were working, quote-unquote, full-time, but they got paid less because what she found, and this is true for men and women, is most people work full-time, but they don't actually work that many hours. So if you're working an 80% schedule, we'll try working full time and and only working for 80% of the time. Because what she found was that many people did home and family stuff during work hours. And again, this is going to be easier in some occupations than others. If you're an administrative assistant who always needs to be there for your boss, if you're a teacher, I, I was thinking about it, like I think a teacher could be a particularly difficult job. So whereas some jobs in the school system may allow for freedom to be on your kid's schedule during the day, 
Um, you know, maybe teacher doesn't if it requires that you stay a long time after school. But, you know, one of those jobs, now, bus driver could be good because you drive in the morning and drive in the afternoon, but have some time in between. And then once you were done with your route, you'd be with the kids. But you may end up with a little bit of time in the afternoon where you were driving for longer than the kids unless they were on your bus. But, you know, so think about different career options that are available to you and the flexibility that they provide. But many women who are working in in jobs where they're able to pop in and out sometimes find, or even if you're at your desk all the time, there may be times when you're doing home management stuff at your desk rather than business. I was thinking about the way that I divide up my time and think about my time for time blocking, which I'll talk about here in a few minutes. But I was thinking about, I really do, when I think about homemaking, there's really two discrete things within that. One is what I think about kind of home blessing, homemaking. That's making the home nice, making meals, keeping the home tidy and comforting and nice feeling and the laundry done and that sort of thing. And then there's home management, which is paying the bills and thinking through the logistics of chores and doing the grocery shopping and basically all of the prep work, all the administrative work that goes into making sure that the house is running smoothly. Those are two discrete things. And so like the home management stuff, A lot of that could be done anywhere because it's just reviewing what you've got to do, making sure that the bills are paid, making shopping lists, making meal plans, thinking about what clothes the kids need, making all of that, you know, making clothes shopping lists, uh, reviewing your calendar so that you know what's going on with the kids. So a lot of women are doing that stuff at work. And I'll tell you the truth, a lot of men are too. Think about how many men are going to the golf course while they're on work hours. It's a lot, ladies. It's a lot. (laughs) We're coming back to this too. So you may find that working quote unquote full time, but not maybe necessarily giving all of those hours to your job works for you. And, And it works for a whole lot of people too. So again, COVID has helped create flexible, flexible work situations for a lot of people especially with working from home. Many Americans who hold bachelor's degrees, research shows are doing some or all of their work from home. So all of this is just kind of tidbits and anecdotes to show you that flexibility is a big deal. Um, And then sometimes connection doesn't happen the way that we typically think. So I want you to think about being flexible in that way. So rather than everybody sitting down to supper together, because maybe you are in a law practice where you have to do some late nights, but you don't have to get there quite so early in the morning. So maybe you and your kids have a leisurely nice breakfast in the morning. Uh, that could, Especially if you've got kids who are preschool or whose school is starting later, or you're just able to be up and present and prepare a better meal, or you're able to go to like, you know, mommy-daughter breakfasts or that sort of thing, or you're able to go on field trips. It, it may not look necessarily what we think about a typical picture of a close-knit family who sits down to supper every night. We do know that sitting down to meals together is very important. That one factor is associated with a great reduction in many problems that youth typically have. So I would encourage you to sit down for meals together because it's a good connection time. Other good connection times are while you're driving, like just let the, the child chatter. And then, of course, one-on-one meetings with your child are good too. But you know, being at school events, other important events, sharing meals with your child, even if it may not be the typical supper, all of those are ways that you can be flexible and find lots of time with your kids. So we've talked kind of about the reality and done some myth busting. And we've also talked about being flexible with your time because that's a foundation. And I wanted to give you some other practical tips as well. First, I want you, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, 
please go listen to last week's episode. I'm just going to make a note to have that in the show notes because I talk a lot. I give you a lot of practical strategies in that. <laughs> it's about ditching. I titled it Ditching the Housework, but but it's really about so much more. And I think it'll give you a pretty good paradigm shift and a lot of practical ideas. But let's talk about some more practical ideas, particularly ideas that are pertinent for working moms. I told you we were going to come back to the guys, and here's where it is. Ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Men tend to do this. I'm sure you know that, and I'm sure that it really annoys you. But it may be very effective and a strategy that is worth considering. Like if a man is going to miss or come in, make it in late at work or miss something at work, he's much more likely to say, oops, I'm sorry, I goofed, I messed up, than to ask permission to do that. And so sometimes that's a strategy that you might consider. Making it in late because you decided, you know, to drop the kids off and have a little bit of time for yourself. And then, oops, you know what? time got away from me and you had that self-care time or you were with a child in an event in the morning at school or something like that, that can really work well because, you know, if you're performing well, and again, this is, you know, if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, that might not work so well. But in many other positions, if you're performing very well, then something like that may be workable. And, you know, your boss may look overlook it. You may not want to do it super consistently, but you know, if you find that it works, oops, you know, I missed for, I I ran out early on Friday. I just, uh, I had to do it. I forgot to run it by you first boss. And you found out that things didn't fall apart and that you were still productive. Well, maybe that can be a standing thing and you and your boss can explore that. So again, that flexibility and considering what do different working arrangements look like. Also make the most of a downtime and make the most of changes in your schedule. Like I find this even in my life as a homeschooling mom. Like I would say that that's my primary job, at least in the mornings, five days a week as I'm I'm mom, teacher. And so like yesterday, we we started something new this week where the service that I use for my kids math, we use Saxon math and uh, there's Nicole, the math lady. I'll mention it because I'm sure that I'll have somebody who emails me and asks me about it. So Nicole, the math lady, we've been using her videos with some of the kids for a while to go through, you know, help teach them their Saxon math. And I realized that she offered a grading service and I spent a significant amount of my time grading. So anyways, I decided to trial that this week. And the kids, it took a couple days to kind of get used to that whole, okay, we're going to input our answers online and we're going to get instantaneous feedback, which was definitely a new thing for them. Uh, But by yesterday, they were pretty enthused about it, and they just really wanted to get right to it. And so I helped them write down their other assignments real quick. And then rather than doing like mom and student cuddling on the couch for a bit, talking through things like they wanted to get to Miss Miss Nicole, and who am I to, to dampen enthusiasm over math, right? So I found myself with some time that I needed to be there and available in the room in case somebody did sob because they thought their answer had gotten lost or they they want the thing, a big thing that's tripped my kids up is the difference between a period and a comma. Like mom can interpret that on their homework, but the computer's like, uh-uh, you use the wrong punctuation mark. So, you know, they needed to check in with me. Mama, I know the answer's right, but it's telling me it's wrong. Can you help me figure this out? And then I would, you know, help them figure out, oh, you used a comma instead of a period or what. Whatever. So I needed to be available, but I had a lot of time. And so what I did 
I did was I looked at my to-do list and said, what's something that I can do here that doesn't require 100% intense focus, but I can do it. And you'll have times like that. You may have meetings that get rescheduled or dropped, unexpected time that comes up. So be ready to use that time either for getting something done that you need to get done or for taking some time to really nourish yourself. And then like I talked about last week, be really intentional with your downtime. I'm not saying there should never be time where you don't just veg and like binge on Netflix or scroll through social media or surf mindlessly around the internet. But for the most part, be intentional. So when you know you're going to have downtime, use that for something that feels good to you, like doing some sort of movement that feels good for yourself, some exercise or something, or reading something that you want to read, studying something that you want to study. That sort of thing will help you to feel like you're staying balanced and you're getting things done that you want to get done for you or things that you want to get done like to nourish and nurture your family. So maybe like right now, um, we're looking at the holidays. So, you know, maybe making some plans for the holidays so that that time is intentional. That would feel good to me right now. So that might be something that I would choose to use those pockets of found time. So realize that those are going to come up pockets of found time and pockets of downtime. Use those for something that feels nourishing to you and your soul and who you want to be. Um, and, and use them too to, to get some things done a little bit early so that maybe later you have a little bit more of that time to really nourish yourself. Split shifts are another thing to think about. Work and split shifts. This is something that a lot of moms found works when we talked about Miss Chan earlier in the episode when I ran the, read the little bit about her. You know, she had some time where she was gone. She was working in another area. She had traveled and then she got home, kissed her girls, and then went back to work. Like, so she took a little bit of personal time there in the, in the midst of it. But then she went to work. And a lot of moms do that. They'll work... Like say that you work for the early part of the day and then you're there when your kids are home from school and then you tuck them in and you do a little bit more work. That is not uncommon and that is feasible. For me, sometimes in some seasons of life, it's meant I get up early, sometimes EGADs early, and I do some work because the house is quiet and I can get a lot of writing done. And then I get up and I'm with the kids and I'm with them for breakfast and doing homeschool stuff. And then oftentimes in the afternoon, I do work. Because they're kind of free and they don't need as much mama mama hands-on time. And then I'm with them again in the evening. And, and I tend to do homework for my schoolwork in the evening after they're in bed. But you can see I kind of have shifts split throughout my day that are peppered with time with my kids. And that can work really well. I would encourage you to avoid, if you're going to do this and some of your work is going to be late in the evening... Avoid doing work that involves communication with others in the evening. Otherwise, that time that should be a time for perhaps deeper work may end up being time that ends up back and forth via email or even with, you know, colleagues getting involved and and anything that you plan to do doesn't get done because you're putting out fires. So one tip is that if you're going to respond to emails and that sort of thing and you're going to use that time excuse me, to catch up on your emails, you might schedule them to go out first thing in the morning so that any responses that you get come in in the morning and don't take this time in the evening that could be more valuable for other things. Another tip for if one of your periods is in the evening, like if you're a teacher and you get off when school gets off in the afternoon and then you're with your your kids and you put them to bed and then it's time for lesson planning and grading and that sort of thing, you know, or any type of schedule like that. 
I would still set a bedtime and set an alarm that's a little bit before the bedtime so that you can still wind down and then put yourself to bed at your bedtime because that'll really benefit you. That's like the reality of where I am in my life. And honestly, I'm trying to find some balance right now with, okay, how late can I keep working without being exhausted? And how can I make sure that I have some time to get up early? And right now I'm using most of my early time for nurturing me. A couple mornings a week I may work, but... A lot of times that's time for me to do things I want to do, like journal or read or pray and have quiet time, that sort of thing. Um, Some exercise. So for me, it's a balance between how late can I work and, and still get enough sleep to get up early. But I think, you know, finding that bedtime that allows you to get up when you want even if you're working that split shift where you're working at night, is really important. And that really brings me to remembering seasons. Like things are going to change and need to be flexible. I started naturalbirthandbabycare.com almost exactly 17 years ago at this point. We're like a month out from its 17-year anniversary, which is crazy to think about. So I've been doing this working while being a mom thing for a long time and working and homeschooling and being a mom for a long time and at this point trying to finish school while working and being a mom for quite a while. Um, And when I think about what's worked for me over the years, it's different. Like it's changed depending on my kids' ages and stages and what they were doing and if they were napping and if they were not and that sort of thing. And now I'm a single mom. And so things look different than they did when I had a partner who was able to help. So though I do have the luxury of having an older teenager and a a swiftly getting older middle teenager right now. So that gives me some luxury as well because I have some level of built-in babysitting. But, you know, it's just ages and stages change. Your children change. Lisa from Organize 365, I mentioned her last week, but she talks about, she's talking about home organization and she's like, you know, if your your kids are grown and you don't have kids at home, you know, you can organize something and it's going to stay organized. Like you can organize your family areas. That's kind of, she talks about the downstairs of the house, the family areas where you live in. You can organize those and they stay organized for the most part. But if you've got young children, like things are shifting so frequently that, you know, it makes sense to organize, but don't expect it to stay because the needs are going to change. Like your your newborn, I'm just always amazed when I think about everything we need for a newborn and then look at them just a year later and just two years later and then look at them three years after that. They're, you know, starting school. It's just so fast and the changes are so rapid. And even if you're like me and had a lot of babies, there's still so much shifting and changing. So remember that things are going to change and and you want to be flexible and it's okay if what worked at one time doesn't work at another so be this goes back to i guess flexibility is the theme of the episode please also remember to ditch the housework keep housework standards relaxed and please involve everyone old enough to help certainly your kids even if you're like kristen my partner just will not help okay you can't force them you can talk to them i've had several episodes on on ideal ways to talk to your partner to help him hear you and your needs. But if he won't help, he won't help. But as soon as you've got kids who are old enough to start helping, start teaching them to help. And then, you know, have them help. 
I've been slowly working on requiring more and more of my kids with helping as I've come out of survival mode from all of our family crisis stuff. And, you know, recently I've just gotten much, much, much more on the ball with saying, okay, we're going to keep this clean and you guys have got to pull your weight. And if you make a mess, you've got to clean the mess up. And you know what? If you need to use your free time to clean, you're going to use your free time to clean. So it it takes effort for me to quote unquote ride herd on them because you do or to put it in kind of the rule of thumb, inspect what you expect. You have to inspect and you have to, you know, remind kids to do what they need to do. They have to be held accountable. Um, and, it, and at first it takes time to teach them, but they can and do learn and are able to handle it and really help a lot. And so if you set the expectation that we're going to have relaxed standards, but we are going to have standards of cleanliness and standards of tidiness that help everybody feel good and feel happy, and you're going to help. Again, if you've got a little baby, please invest in a good baby carrier. Keep things relaxed. Don't worry about, you know, everything being perfect. But as your kids get older, keep them on board. You are going to need some time management strategies if you're juggling motherhood and working. Because like I said, just thinking about taking care of the home, I was thinking about home management, homemaking or home blessing. And then there's also parenting, which takes a lot of time. So those are three major things right there. You've got to, you know, you've got to manage those as well as your work and the probably you've got multiple projects going on with work and all of that kind of stuff. So even learning something very basic can help at first. So one of my favorite books ever is by Cal Newport. I think I mentioned him last week because he has a book called Deep Work. But this is a book that was earlier than that called How to Be a Straight A Student. And I read that book at the beginning of my college journey and I've actually read it a number of times since because it's got great advice on how to excel while still having time for other things, which when you're a mom is definitely something you want. But he outlines a simple time management, task management system in like the first chapter or two of that book that is really effective. And if you need somewhere to start, don't feel ashamed. Go grab that book, read that, and then realize that you can get to something much more complex if you need to from there. But start with that, you know, with the basics of what works. Get some sort of strategy in there. And then I've mentioned time blocking a few times. I talked about it a little last week, and I realized that this episode is already getting pretty long. So if y'all are interested, maybe I should do a whole episode where I talk about time blocking. But time blocking is really your friend. I like the way that Lauren Vanderkamp talks about it. She talks about the mosaic of your week. Remember last week we talked about that 168-hour bucket? And she talks about the mosaic. So if you would picture your calendar and you would picture the blocks of time that you use for various tasks colored in. So all business, for me, business tasks are green. Homemaking, home management tasks are light blue. Um, or excuse me, they're a dark blue. Homeschool tasks are a light blue. Family time is orange. Kristen time is purple. So if you think about, and then errands or commutes are are gray, black, brown, slate gray, whatever, gone metal. Um, so if you think about what my week would look like with those blocks of time that are dedicated to tasks or times within those given realms, then it's a mosaic of color. And that's really how you think about it. So think about blocking out your time. And you want to think about batching things. It's important as you think about this to think about what are your goals? What do you want long term? Like what's your vision for what your home 
home feels like for where you go with your work, that sort of thing. Those things are really important and that helps you realize where you want to allocate your time as you're able to because remember, even if you're working full-time and even if you're getting a full eight hours of sleep every night, you're still left with some 70 hours a week. And again, if you're parenting little kids, a lot of that may be filled with parenting. But there's probably also time for you to do other things. So think about that mosaic and how you can arrange that. And especially, like for me, how can I have some purple in there? Some time for Kristen in there. Um, So like my blocks, like I said, are homemaking, homeschool, business, scholar. I forgot that one. That's, That's my midwifery studies and my degree studies. That's red. On my schedule and then personal so and and then family time which is orange so I've got all of those different color blocks and what I can do is I can I can put a picture of like a, a week a calendar where I actually printed it out I will often do this I did it this week because I know that the next couple weeks are gonna be crazy because I'm working on getting the chaos to calm course ready for you um if you're interested in that you can check it out at birthbabylife.com slash calm by the time this episode airs it should be live um and that is my course that is going into all of this talking to you about how do you go from feeling chaotic to feeling calm even when you're juggling everything but i'm working on that and i'm also um, hoping to do the three keys to natural birth Masterclass again because I've had some ladies asking about that. So, anyways, I've got a lot going on, and I'm like, I need to really pull this out and color it in. So, I will take a picture of my time block schedule so that you can see that you don't have to do that, or you could do it in a digital planner or even in Google Calendar or Outlook or something. Um, but for me, sometimes it works to have it in front of me on paper, tactile, and just color it in with color pencil. So don't forget commuting. That's my one. That was a tip that I had in my notes that I don't want to forget is if you do some commuting. Now you can use commuting um, productively. You can listen to podcasts or audiobooks and that sort of thing, which is a pretty productive use of your time because you get reading done. But don't forget that on your schedule when you're time blocking. Like I set commutes as just commute because, you know, maybe I'll listen to an audiobook, maybe not. Now, if you're coming up from overwhelm, again, I know that we're pushing it, so I'm going to try and wrap up here. But if you're coming up from overwhelm, like you just feel like everything is crazy, I would recommend that you do brain dumps and sticky notes can really help. Brain dumps can help you get everything out. And like if I'm really overwhelmed on a given day and I've got a task list that's a mile long, I will take a sticky note and write like just the next two to three things that I want to do kind of so that my blinders are on. And I can really focus. And that helps me a lot. I think trauma impacts how our brains work profoundly. And sometimes I have trouble focusing. And that can really help me focus. And again, I'm, I'm going to talk about brain dumping and a strategy for using that in the Chaos to Calm course. So definitely go to birthbabylife.com um, and check out that course if you're interested in that. Um, I mentioned earlier you know, a dedicated space. If you're working from home, there's been a lot of time when I really haven't had a dedicated space to work. But I would say that in almost all seasons, I have had the ability to go in and close the door, even if that's not my preference. And like right now, I've been setting up, I don't have a desk in my room right now. I have in the past, but I don't right now. Uh, But I've been setting up a folding table and I've actually been setting up the folding table and setting the essential oil diffuser on and lighting a candle. I have scentless candles. Um, 
so that it smells nice and I've got a little bit of atmosphere and I've got nice music and that helps me focus on working. And if the kids do come in and are mama, 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 I can say, okay, you guys need to go have your playtime and I'm going to close the door. And when I open the door, you can come back in. So you may need a dedicated space where you can close the door if you need to, even if you're working from home. Uh, I, I wanted to add in some information with some tips about what if you're single, but I don't think that I can fit those in this episode. So I may do an episode in the future. It may be in the new year with some tips for single moms because I've spent the last four and a half years as a single mom of eight. And I've, you know, it's been a little rocky at times, but I've learned a lot. So as we close here, I just I want to take you back to vision, which I touched on last week, too. Ask yourself, what does your good life look like? Not every moment needs to be scheduled to a T and planned out, but a life where you have vision and where you have intention and how you set those blocks of time, how you shape the mosaic of your time becomes a life that is well lived and a life that feels good. And even if you have a week that's crazy here or there, and most of us do, that could be every week. (laughs) But, you know, on the... Overall, when you look at it and the fabric of what you've been able to achieve, you can feel good about it. I know that my last several weeks, especially as the beginning of school school started and early in the fall this year, we had so much going on with back to school, getting school going, learning some new routines. And I spent a lot of time teaching my kids some executive planning and executive function skills. And that took some work on top of their academics. And And then we did a lot. We had a lot of extracurricular things, some field trips, and just a lot went on. And I was doing full-time course load at that time, too. But I still look back at that, and I can see a couple points where we got burned out. But overall, I feel so proud of myself because I did it with intention. I did it carefully. And I feel great because we read read read-alouds that the kids loved and we cooked together and we went on field trips and we had a successful launch of our homeschool for the year. I got a 4.0 in the classes that I was doing. It just really felt good. I'm proud of it. And that's because I worked with vision and intention. I also hit my goal weight during that period of time too. Um, So, you know, I did things for me as well. So I want you to realize that even if you don't schedule every single moment like down to the second, you can still look at this mosaic of your life and put some more intention into it. And even while you're juggling work with all of that, because I was, you know, I was running the business during that time too, you can do this. Uh, Look at your week, look at the seasons of your life, and especially if if you're thinking, you know what, I wish I was a stay-at-home mom, well, identify as a stay-at-home mom. I'm going to end with another quote from Laura. This one's much shorter because it's just so good. So how can one square these impulses? This is what Laura says. So how can one square these impulses? Identify as a stay-at-home mom and work. That way you get the benefits of both choices. So I was talking about if somebody asked me, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. But the truth is, is I'm a full-time student. I'm a business owner. I'm a homeschooling mom. I'm a mom. I'm an advocate. I'm a member of my community. All those things. But I would still say, you know what? I'm a stay-at-home mom and a homemaker because that's what I feel like at heart. So that's what I'm going to identify as. But I'm also doing a whole lot. And so we can do that. You can take that spirit of, I'm doing enough for my kids. I can be there for my kids. This mosaic, this tapestry that I'm weaving can be full of beautiful family times, down family times. Like when I say dad, I mean like 
peaceful, just we're hanging out and chilling as a family times, family adventures, some chaotic, crazy family times where we mess up because we're all going to mess up. But on the whole, when I look back at it, it is a life well lived, a life that was intentionally lived with professional satisfaction and progress, as well as plenty of time for my family. You can definitely do that. Again, I've been working on this course for quite a while. I'm super excited about it, the Chaos to Calm course. It is not tailored specifically towards working moms. It is for every mom, and it's just talking about how, if you are in chaos, how do you go to calm? How do you get the systems in place? How do you get to the place where you feel good about your life with your kids and that you're being the mom that you want to be? That is what the course is about. It should be live by the time this episode airs. Go ahead and check it out, birthbabylife.com slash calm. I would love to have you in this beginning cohort this first group of ladies going through the course because you really help shape it to be exactly what you need I am there for you we will be doing some live workshops and chats and things throughout the course as well as the material that I already have ready for you I would love to help you walk through things with you learn about the crazy that is your life and talk with you I've got a lot of wisdom that I would love to share so much that I'm going to give to you so much that you'll get out of it imagine what you want your life to be on December 31st 2023 And then think about it, because I promise you that this course is going to help you make your way there. With that, check that out, birthbabylife.com slash calm, and I will talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.